Welcome back to the Shadowplay Gaze. Uh, we are a podcast that discusses Revolutionary Girl Utena, the 1997 anime, previously. However, uh, we are no longer discussing that particular anime. We're talking about uh, Adolescence of Utena, the movie that caps off the series that we've been talking about. Uh, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Derek Reining, and I am joined by the Eco to my Fco. It's Christine Palin. Thank you. And there's no deco, which is interesting. We jump straight to eco. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, much like the Shadowplay Girls in this um, iteration of the story of Utena, we are coming at you from a radio station inside of an interdimensional uh, school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of a word to describe the architecture of the school, but um, I don't know what's going on there. Like non-Euclidean, like just strange. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. So, it's getting weird. The, the vibe has shifted. Something has shifted. So yes, we were talking about the 1999 movie, Adolescence of Utena, or Revolutionary Girl Utena, the movie. Uh, so it's again, start came out about two years after the show ended, and... As we mentioned previously, also, we were supposed to do this last week, but I spent 12 hours in the ER because my girlfriend cut her thumb. So (laughs) that's why we were delayed. But we're here now and we're going to talk about roughly the first half of the movie. But we're we're going to talk about it, assuming you have seen the whole movie. We're just cutting it into two parts to keep us from talking about this for too long at once. Um, So we'll we'll stop. We have a point we're going to stop at, but we might just kind of if we get to a point where like we've talked way too much, we'll stop. But if you haven't watched the movie in, in its entirety, go watch it. Audrey Pause. gave us a link. Um, it's yes. available on uh, Retro Crash? Retro Crush? Retro Crush. Crash, yes. that's it. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Okay, come back. I'm a car now, too. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> We're all on the same page. Great. Um, so, yeah, I think we should just kind of jump right into it. Um, Are my... there big production notes, I guess, before we get started? When we get into the credits, I'll just kind of... Because we do get credits, kind of, we get a scene in the credits, then I'll run through the familiar faces we see. Um, But I guess the, I mean, all content warnings from the show, um, with the emphasis on the, I think we get the most explicit uh, depiction of, like, childhood sexual abuse. In this case, like, it's, Toga's whole backstory is the way more than we'd ever seen in the show. Yes, um, and I guess that's something we can sort of address here from the top. This is something that has always been up for debate, whether this is truly, like, obviously the, sh- the movie kind of starts out and wants you to think that this is just, like, a, a new timeline, like, new sort of iterations of characters. Um, but obviously, if you've seen the whole movie, you can start to think, wait, I, this maybe is a sequel? Like, clearly, Auntie seems to be more not herself and seems to be operating off of um things that happened in the series um and i think that's i don't know if we've ever gotten an official like this for sure is the sequel or this is for sure a uh an alternate timeline or this for sure is a little of both um i don't know what's your interpretation of where this takes place in the uh the multiverse of utina-ness um, the the way I always t- talk about it to people is I say it's literally a retelling, but it is much more interesting, in my opinion, if you read it as a sequel, um, and that there is a lot of textual evidence to suggest that it is, um, and it is much more interesting if you read it, um, like, intertextually with the show. 
Uh, but I also think there's nothing wrong with just reading it as a retelling because that's literally what's happening. It is a retelling, um, but it's a retelling that functions as a sequel. Um, in the and it makes a lot of sense when you, I'm going to be talking about this a lot, like because I am a big proponent of it is much more I don't say interesting, much more rewarding um, to engage with this movie as if it, it is a sequel. A lot more things make sense to me. In terms mm-hmm. of characters, you mentioned Anthony and Utena make a lot, everything they do and say make a lot more sense when you consider them um, as the same Anthony and Utena from the show. And there's a lot, I think there's just so much, I don't want to say evidence, but so much just in the text that suggests it is a sequel that mm-hmm. like, that I think to me that is a completely valid reading and it's my preferred reading. But if you're someone who's just like, I don't feel like reading it as a sequel, it's also just like, great retelling of the show i i would say like if utina is like revolutionary girl utina is like a novel adolescence of utina is a slam poem um oh yes <laughs> in the sense it has got the kind of all of the his, we hit the main beats uh but stylistically like very wild and kind of uh just getting the the bare bones of the story and really focusing on the the style and doing things visually and that we couldn't do in the medium of the, the show uh, for budget reasons, for um, certain things that they couldn't really go as far to show on the show, like two girls kissing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I think either, either is valid, but I'm going to be banging the drum of it's a sequel for sure. Yes. Um, I'm absolutely 100% in that camp of um, when people ask me like, uh, are they like, Oh, there's a movie. And they ask me if like they have, I'm like, yes, you absolutely must watch it. It is like, to me, it's functionally part of the series. Like, I don't think, I mean, obviously you can watch the show and feel very complete and rewarded. And I'm sure there are people out there who say, just stop at the series, don't watch the movie for whatever reason. Um, but I think this is uh, as much of a capital S sequel as you can possibly get. I think um, this is kind of what, um, for those familiar with the Evangelion series, this is like what people thought the rebuild movies would be, and they kind of ended up being that, but not really. Like, it's way more vague about what, where it takes place. But I feel like this is, like, to me, pretty firmly, like, I'm putting my foot in the dirt and saying, yes, this is a sequel, 100%. <laughs> um, but I also do love the idea of that being, like, uh, almost like uh, they took uh, Kubrickian, like, we're going to take the novel, if we're going to use that metaphor, uh, of Utena and turn it into our version of Utena in, a, in the form of a movie um, with a lot a lot of differences that would make... If Stephen King had written Utena, he probably would be just as pissed uh, watching this. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I love this movie and I think it's a great end cap to the series. Absolutely. I This is one of my favorite movies. I just absolutely adore it. It's a comfort movie for me. I've seen it so many times since I first watched it last year. It's a dream of mine at some point to like rent out a movie theater and for my birthday or something and screen this. Um, oh my God, I would just yes, love please. to see this in a theater. Um, I, ha- I have a favorite movie theater in Montreal and I want to har- harass the guy who does the programmation. Programmation, wow, that was French. Programmation. Um, the <laughs> programming there to show this movie, but I don't know if he's a Nintendo fan. Anyway, um, but yeah, I think that's, yeah. All warnings from the show apply to the movie, even more so in some ways. You read it how you like, but we're probably going to be really digging into the sequelness of it all. Um, sure. Yeah, so let's do it. 
Um, yeah, um, we we start with the ringing of the bells pretty instantly. Which I think is the first, should be our first kind of hint that this is perhaps a sequel, because how does the show end? We hear the bells ringing, and then the movie, and those remember those bells are the bells of victory. Um, those are only ever, the only times we hear them in the show are associated with the duel or when Anthe leaves the school. So this is immediately connecting us to the text of the show, literally picking up right where we left off, but just in a different world. <laughs> Yes, and I mean, even to the point of, like, we get a quick little flash of um, presumably Anthe and Akio, where, like, we see the tower, we see two figures, um, Anthe, and uh, a little bit of a different Akio, and as we'll see here later, um, a, a different voice as well. Um, the only voice that's different, I believe, in the whole... Yes, and I, I know, I'm, I'm curious what the whole background behind that is, because I do know in, um, like in anime or just like Japanese animation in general, um, like it's very, um, like there's a, like there's a lot of uh, attention brought to the idea of like continuity in terms of voice acting. Like they really, really try to keep like the same voice actors for roles. Um, so I, th- I, I always find it interesting that they just straight up have a completely different one for this. Um, I'm really curious about if, if anyone has the information about like why that happened or if there is literally it's just like a scheduling conflict and they just wanted to have Akio in the movie anyway. I'm sure that's probably it. But um, I do find that interesting. But anyway, yes. And like we literally like this, the show ends with Anthe like walking out of the tower away from Akio. I feel like it's very fitting to like start here with a little a little family portrait of the two of them standing um, but we are at a bit of a distance as well, which I think is interesting. We're not close up and you kind of, and especially like with the slightly tweaked character designs, you might not even really recognize them at first. Um, but yeah, so I, that's basically our little intro before we come into this banger of an opener. Well, importantly, we see the two of them, we cut to the bells and then mm. we cut back and it's just on the... Yes. So this is, an, again, on a rewatch, you're like, okay, because as this does not happen in the first part of the movie, but as we'll, we see in the second part of the movie, um, Akio is dead um, yes. the whole time. Um, and so this is kind of our, if you're, you won't, there's not anything you would notice on a first watch, but we're seeing right away, Akio is out of the picture. Um, and this is, I think, again, and then we kind of, the camera like soars up to the sky. I listened to the director's commentary on this. It is mostly Ikahara, like just not giving answers about anything, but he does give some like fun technical things. And this was apparently like really, really difficult to do. Um, uh, this movie makes use of like, maybe what at the time was like, I think pretty novel uh, technology for mm-hmm. um, and like digital animation. And this and like the dance scene are the two like things that were like pretty ahead, like ahead of their time or like, groundbreaking um but yes yeah, so she's up to the sky and then we see what looks like Anthe and like dios in the rose garden um and just this is again the disappearance of akio and then this callback to the prince and and Anthe is the start of what i think is the core one of the core parts of the movie is the prince is dead um the death of the prince so we'll come back to this theme a lot as we're introduced to Toga and the way he exists in the story. Um, but we're starting the movie with the disappearance of one princely figure, even and we might not even realize it on first on a first watch. I certainly didn't then notice Akio disappear. Yeah, I know, or I I noticed it, but I think I probably just didn't really note it. I I just like a lot of things in this movie, it can be easy to just dismiss it as like visual flair. Um, but I, that's a classic mistake. Should never do that. You should always assume some sort of intent. Um, 
And yeah, I think that is something, and it adds to the sequel read, I think, um, because if we're assuming that this is the auntie that we know, and she's like world hopped in some way to this new Otori, it makes sense that her first move is to just like kill Akio off. Like Mm -hmm. if her goal is to like, she presumably has like found her Utena in this place. um, And so she's like, okay, what can I do to make sure that like I can get Utena out of here? Akio was clearly a huge obstacle for both of them in their original, we can assume their original timeline, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it makes sense that she, her first thing she does is just like, goodbye, goodbye, Akio. <laughs> uh, I like, but yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting, like you said, death of a prince of the prince is a good um, phrase to use to describe a lot of what's going on here, this um, idea. And uh, it will lead us into, we get a new character, a compl- like, gets described as a prince, which has never happened before, which I, I'm sure you're very excited mm-hmm. to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but first let's jump into the credits, because this is where we get another banger from J.A. Caesar, mm-hmm. um, one of many people who returned to this movie. So again, the music we're hearing is from J.A. Caesar. We hear the dual songs, a new version of Satayun Mai Mukushiroku we'll hear in the second half of the movie. Um and yeah, when you look at the credits, it's just kind of like a greatest hits from the show. The movie was written by Yoji Kido, character designs by Hasegawa, um, some familiar animation directors, Takahashi, Kaneko, Sakurabi, and then of course directed by Ikahara. And I'm sure if you like look through like the credits of the end of the movie, you would see more familiar familiar folks there. Um, and then Chio Seito did the manga movie manga. I, I actually really like the movie manga. It's really gorgeous. Um, if like I think most people who are like in lukewarm on the show manga tend to really like the movie manga, and I really like the movie manga. It's fucking gorgeous. Nice. Um, I would recommend reading that if the show. Yeah, I've never checked out either of the mangas, so that's that's good to know. Um, yeah. Um, so I really love this sequence, this title sequence. Like you said, the the song is a banger. Um, but I also love these little like. They're like little tiny portraits. They take up like a small part of the screen. Um, I didn't really, um, I'm going to go and say I was watching this movie not on a great, nice big screen. So I didn't really catch what the illustrations were. Um, if do you, Were there any that like stood out to you? I don't know what they really depict. Um, well, some of these paintings kind of come back later. I think one of them, it's like, kind of, I've always looked at like Dios, like in like a doorway, like maybe like being like shackled or something um I've never quite known but that was always my approximation of what was going on um that's the only one that like stuck in my mind it's like definitely looked like like Dio's kind of like standing okay I'm sure there's like great someone has probably like gone through each one and like uh done a deep dive on what they all mean visually but I just really love this sort of these like little um they're almost like manuscript illumination styles what they look like um and then they all just like kind of burst into flame throughout um it's like really dramatic and i love it it's like the perfect intro i think for this movie yeah and like well these paintings again will come back we see them in the room with like toga and shiori and then we see them again in the tower um like i can't remember like we had like some like references to like paintings and visual art in the show but the movie really kind of latches on to that more um which is like kind of like less about theater it feels like a little like referencing theater a little less and we're kind of looking at different art forms a little more yeah almost I would say this movie feels very um 
novelistic, I guess. I, if we're talking about the idea of like an, it feels like an adaptation of a novel um, in a way that's of like a book that doesn't exist, which I, I really enjoy. Um, but it feels like it has like a very grand scope. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a great way to sort of bring us into this, this new version of Utena. Um, I don't really know what the like fan reaction was to this when it came out. Do you, have you read up on any of that? I don't, but if any one of our listeners ha- was there, we would love to hear that because I'm also curious. Um, I do. I the only thing I've seen is like I've seen um, like I think it's uh, Giovanna Empty Movement talking about like the orig- the first like kind of like pr- promo images that came out for the movie um, and like the fan response to that and because like they ended up being like very different from the actual movie. Oh. Um, there's like this one, like some like really like interesting. I'll I'll send you them, but there's a really interesting one of like Shiori and Jury that looks like <laughs> very suggestive. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's pretty thematically appropriate for this movie, honestly. Like even mm-hmm. if it like that doesn't really happen, I feel like it's like they set up the pieces for that to be a thing. I feel like. Um, even though weirdly, I, I I don't know. People make a lot of Jury and Mickey in this movie. Um, I don't see it for them, but okay, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get um, there. Um, but yes, uh, yeah. So we get the tiny pictures bursting into flame, um, and that's our credit sequence. And then we get right into um, moving stairs. Yeah, this new Otori where it is like almost like actively being constructed and like constantly changing. Yeah, the moving staircases, the shifting blackboards. Whereas, like, the old Otori felt very, like, stately and, like, palace-like, this feels, like, weirdly futuristic. Um, And, like, you know, we see some, like, we see some columns at some point, maybe, like, remnants of the old version of the school. But it's altogether just a very different space, feels a lot more open, um, like the staircase is out in the open. The what we'll see the fencing hall is now like in a courtyard where everyone is watching. Everything we're just a little more open and like a little less constricted in like the actual like architecture of the school. Mm-hmm. There's like nowhere to hide, but also it's just like like a labyrinth. Um, and, and it, like the space it exists in is like really unclear like it almost like every time I watch this movie I feel like we're kind of like floating in the sky or like we're in space or something because it's like in the original like the Okotori Academy it looks like it's on some sort of like coastal like town like you can kind of see there's like a world outside of Otori allegedly um but this one it's like there's no pretense of that there's like no pretense of this being like real at all which I I really love it feels very dreamlike in a lot of ways um, and I think that adds to the idea of this being like, I don't know, we're kind of, we're very far from the Otori that we know. Um, and that's, I feel like sets you up for um, how unmoored you kind of feel if you're a fan of the show and you come into this and the characters are start doing things that you're like, they are insane things that you're, that are weird. <laughs> like that's the only way I can describe it. It's like weird, a lot of weird shit in this movie. <laughs> Yes. And our main character, Utena, looks very different. Um, she is now has very short hair and is you would is being read as a boy, as we'll see uh, Sionji later thinks she is a boy. Um, and I've seen a lot of discourse. Oh, boy. Um, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> um, about what the 
the implications of the fact that Utina has short hair, hair throughout most of the movie, and then when she's, like, after she kisses Anthe, and then at the end of the movie has long hair, is more feminine, and that I've seen, like, people be like, that's, like, saying that, like, butch people are just pretending to be men, and that people should be themselves, um, and, the, and, like, Utina's like I just I remember reading like at least one critique of that that's like sending the message that like butchness is performing like being a man and that like it's trying that like it's implying that Uchina is more authentic when she has long hair which I do as a butch person I do not have that read of that um because I think and I, I don't blame people from having that gut like response to it um but I just within the visual language of the show, like the way hair is like tied to characters and to like the level of like being trapped or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is again, I don't want to fault people for having that gut response because like I could see how it appears that way. But as we saw, like in the show, when Auntie has her hair long um, and flowing, it is like when we are seeing her like true self. And when we she has it like cropped when she has it kind of like short and tight, um, she is, you know, that's when she's the Rose Bryan, a student. She's hiding things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even Jury, as we see in the in like the past in the show, she had kind of like looser hair. And then we meet her in the present in the show. Her the curls are tighter. Um, and so I think the read my read on like Uchna's redesign here is a it's not like I don't read this as like making any sort of statement on like being butch or not it has to do with how like my read on what was happening to from with Uchna from the end of the show to the movie is she the trauma of the end of the show like of of having to accept that Akio is both her prince and end of the world and that she can't really be a prince and all of that She's, like, forced into this new world and is, like, halfway to, like, liberation. But in the, at that halfway point, just kind of kind of retracts completely and just completely, mm-hmm. is like, falls back into the prince idea as, like, a, as a fail save. Like, no, I can't handle this. And so it's, again, I don't read this as making commentary on, like, butchness or anything. It has to do with her being very trapped and, like, trying to play the prince like as is it a desperate attempt to kind of protect herself from what she has just like learned yeah that's my read on it I agree I think I like you said I don't fault anyone for having an issue with that if that's like where they see the show going with that or the movie um I think it is just like obviously the character designs are different I think I don't know who the character designer was for this for the movie Shinya Hasegawa he did both Okay. The the, but, the help with the 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 show and the movie. Okay. Well, yeah. I feel like he's maybe his approach to the movie is a little more ostentatious. Obviously, I feel like there's everyone's clothing is a lot more detailed. Um, there's a lot of like darker colors. There's a lot of black in a lot of people's mm-hmm. um outfits in this version. Um, whereas in the show, it's a lot of white. Um, but I feel like it's he just decided to use a different sort of visual shorthand to just show that Utena is like in the boys uniform whatever mm-hmm. that is um and that's my only really read on it is it's just like oh we're just it's the exact same start point where um Utena is like in a uniform she's not supposed to be wearing it's just that it's kind of gone it's just interpreted visually a little differently um I think the reaction to it is still the same on in both the show and the movie which is people 
um, either intentionally or unintentionally, like, commenting on, like, oh, you look like a boy, or, like, are you trying to be a boy, or whatever. Like, I think that's, it's just the same idea, just visually a little different. Mm-hmm. And in, in this version of the, the story, she doesn't know Wakaba yet. Um, in the in the show, they were already buddies. Um, uh-huh. and, and here Wakaba's like, let's be besties. And Utena says something about her being like really pretty or cute, kind of like flirting with her almost, um, uh-huh. which is not something we had seen in the show. It was always kind of like Utena being a little like, Wakaba, stop being so gay. <laughs> <laughs> And Wakaba shows her around the school um, and that we have our two new shadow girls doing the radio show, Eco and Fco, um, you know, talking about, you know, you should eat your lunch outside. But the other one's like, don't do that. You'll invite a capricious passing rain. And they're talking about rain, about like the rain in my heart is so is sure to cloud the sky above. Um, and the the like one girl's pouring water on the other girl. <laughs> um, it's just like. I don't really know if, like, thematically if there's anything, like, interesting to pull out of that, but there's, water is, like, the big theme, like, motif of this mm-hmm. movie, and on a rewatch, the water stuff makes a lot of sense, because it's kind of telegraphing Toga's pe- being dead the whole time, uh, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on this little mini radio play we get. Um, yeah, I think it's just them being shock jocks for a hot second, <laughs> which is fun, um, but yeah, I do think rain is obviously important and also the idea that they're talking about this idea of like well if you do take a picnic then you're just going to invite the rain um it's as if the act of having a picnic is what causes the rain to happen if there was no picnic picnic maybe there would be no rain um just sort of calling into question the idea of like manifestation or the idea of like reality being um a little bit under our control in some way um i think that's really what they're getting at here is this idea of um your mindset or the things you do can affect the like physical reality around you Mm. um showing like once again playing into the idea of this place being very a lot more um up to interpretation or a lot more unmoored i feel like i'm going to keep using that word um than like the original otori maybe because akio is not here to keep it in Mm. check um it's a little more free form than it was before um yeah so, yeah, like, that's why the school is able to move and change, perhaps, because he's not there. There's, like, not an architect there to mm. really, like, determine, like, this will go here, because, yeah, it's a lot more just, like, things are happening. And I feel, I like to think, like, Utsa just kind of, like, pop in, popped into existence into this war- world, which is why mm-hmm. Wakaba is like, oh, hello, you're new, like, but, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to, like, think about in terms of, like, what, like, actually happened between the end of the show for Utsuna. Like, what, where was she until that moment and then this moment was she who knows what was going on with her but she's here now seemingly doesn't remember anything if you're reading it as a sequel or if you're just watching this um you assume oh like this is just a new utina um and they just decided that they don't know wakaba and utina don't know each other in this version of the story mm-hmm. um yeah so shadow play girls and then um we hear rumblings of a prince what's this mm-hmm. Yes, there. But there, the one prince is dead. But there is, or two princes are dead. Let's <laughs> make mm-hmm. the reveal. The toga is dead. Um, but there is a prince of the school, um, who's jury, Fensei Mickey. Um, <sighs> oh they're both God. on the student council in this version, although we don't see the student council meet at all <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> I like to think with Nanami's gone, it just falls apart. Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, and it's jury fencing Mickey, and we've seen this play out a lot of times, but and we've seen like a few girls like watching them in the show, but this is like the whole school watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the girls are cheering as she defeats him. It very much reminds us of Utina playing basketball. Um, whereas like in the show, Utina was kind of like the prince of the campus. Uh, and now Jerry occupies that role. Whereas like in the, it's interesting, I like, I don't really know to make that because in, in the show, Jerry like was more like intimidating mm-hmm. and she is here, but like she, it's interesting that she's made this kind of shift into kind of occupying both that role and the Utina role. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fun to be had thinking about like, um, Jerry kind of, like you said, being Utina in this version of Otori. Um, which would then kind of mean Shiori is her auntie, and Shiori mm-hmm. does act a lot like it, uh, or well, like a the Shiori version of auntie, which is yeah. a lot more evil. <laughs> 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 but like this, and like Toga kinda in the Akio role there. If we're thinking about this sort of trio, um, yeah, I love I love thinking about that. Like, okay, Uchina went through her journey. It looks like it's Jerry's turn next. Yeah. Sorry, I just w- like want to like put into the world like a no exit situation where you lock like um Kozue, Shiori, Nanami, and Anthi in a room together. Oh my god. Um and just see what happens. <laughs> I'm I'm really scared. I think it's very much it's giving Alien versus Predator, whoever wins we lose. <laughs> like who dies first? <laughs> Oh my god. I feel like I feel like there's probably like a lot of bodies that had to lead up to this situation in the first place. So yeah, I'm I'm scared for us. If Hit in us that in situation. the mentions who you think leaves the room. Um like give us the order of uh, the the fight club order. Who was who's, um, who are, who's our group? Kozue. Um Kozue, Nanami, Anthi, and Shiori. Oh, well, Nanami's a goner. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> our girl is a wimp. She's 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 going down. I'm I'm gonna hedge my bets on Kozway. Same here. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, Auntie's got the leg up because she's got like perhaps Rich interdimensional powers, powers whatever's yeah. going on. But like Kozway's got like sheer will. <laughs> she is um a monster. Like even <laughs> Shiori is gonna fold. Like a yeah, if Shiori's next. I'm saying that it's down to Auntie <laughs> and Kozway, and I think Kozway even manages to like freak Auntie out to the like <laughs> she just concedes. I think. You yeah. know, like, I feel like Anthony could overpower Kozway with her powers. Um, Kozway, like you said, has got the sheer force of will <laughs> to defeat them all. You heard it here first. Kozway wins. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so back this. to the movie. <laughs> Sorry, yes. I had to put that out there. Um, so, yeah, we see Jerry pull off her, her little, like, uh, fencing mask and her hair flows down. Really beautiful animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jerry's, we still see her wearing her locket. Um, and Wakaba's like, oh, maybe she'll be your rival. Um, and Utena's kind of like, what? Like, why? Like, why would we be rivals? Um, and as Wakaba starts, I think this is really funny. Like, Wakaba starts to introduce Mickey and, like, give his backstory. And then Utena sees Toga and, like, everything is, like, record scratch. The Sunlight <laughs> Garden playing. Um, who Damn, cares? Like, <laughs> who cares about it? So, yeah, this is our first image of Toga, and Utena is, like, enraptured by Toga, shocked, um, and she clearly wasn't expecting to see him here. And again, this is, so I, getting at the idea of this movie being about the death of the prince, um, like, at the end of the show, Utena accepts that the reality of the prince is false when she rejects Akio. 
Um, like that is like the grown up version of the prince that she was confronted with, who she reckoned with in reality. And she did like reject that version of the prince. But by the but like, as we saw at the end of the show, she was still like sad. She couldn't be the ideal of the prince. That's her last line of the show. Like, I couldn't be a prince for you or whatever she says. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of the show, she's still clinging to the ideal of the prince. And so it's fitting that in the movie, the reality of the prince, Akio is dead. Um, and like not present in the movie and Toga, the, who is the childhood I- ideal of the prince is also dead, but Uchina sees him. So the, both versions of the prince are dead the whole time, but she still has not fully let go of this version. Yeah. And we're going to want to keep track of who else sees and interacts with Toga because the only four people who see and interact with Toga in the movie are Shiori, Utina, Juri, and Anthi. AKA all the like, queer yes, girls. <laughs> the gays, the gays, they see. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point. Is like it's easy. It was easier for um, for Utena to let go of the Akio version of the prince, like the like you said, the prince grown up, um, because he was like outwardly malicious and clearly like needed like that decision was easier. It's harder for her to let go of the idealized version of the prince because it's like. Well, what did they do wrong? Like, why do I, why do I have to let go of this like beautiful idea that I have in my mind of what a prince can be? Um, and that's kind of the, like you said, that's like the lesson that Utsuna is going to learn here is to let go of even that. She has to let go of all versions of the prince, um, even the ones that seem the nicest or the most benign. Um, yeah. Yeah, so this is our grand introduction to Toga, and then we, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, fade back into the world, and then, like, Wakaba's still talking. She's like, yeah, her, his, Mickey's sister, like, drives away all the girls, but I just love that Mickey's, like, so, like, not that important. Non-entity. <laughs> and Utena just, like, sprints off, um, and it starts raining, and she's, again, we're going to want to associate water with Toga in particular. Um, in the rain, she's, like, running through the school, and meets Toga near a bunch of roses and crosses. So kind of like a graveyard almost. Yeah, but there's um, your first big hint, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> In retrospect, it feels very obvious. Uh, but like, I just love this image of her like literally chasing the ghost of Toga, like the ghost of the prince throughout this like weird, ever-changing school. Like she's, that is what is like, she like can't help herself but chase him. Right. Um. Yeah, and we, uh, like you said, we kind of assume he's just real, even though, like you said, like, no one seems to notice except for Utsuna, um, which is, like, a huge deal, I feel like, with Toga, because Toga was, like, a huge figure in Otori in the show. Like, everyone knew Toga, everyone was obsessed with Toga, and the fact that no one, like, even recognizes that he's there should, I think, be a huge hint that something is very off. Um, But again, it's also, the movie does a great job of sort of playing on your presumed ex- ex like expectation that this is just a retelling so you can just kind of be like oh okay yeah toga is just like a creep who lives in the shadows in this version <laughs> like that's okay um <laughs> but they start talking um and they clearly have some sort of past like they're talking as if they know each other um toga i i noted very interestingly talks about uh, like a promise to go to a planetarium mm-hmm. um, i don't know what that the I, I don't know the implication i guess being like well, obviously, the planetarium we associate with Akio. So if, like, Akio is the grown-up prince, then it's maybe the idea of, like, growing up together is the, the way to read that. Um, but they also talk about 
um, it's the this idea of like having high goals. They use that phrase a lot. Um, it's almost like taken place the place of um, oh, what's the phrase they always use in like the intro? Um, don't lose that. Um, oh, your yeah, your sense of nobility. Yes, sense of nobility. Yeah. That's the phrase. Yeah, it's like that's. I don't know if it's like the same phrase in Japanese and they just translated it differently, or if it is genuinely just like a different phrase. Um, but there's this idea of having high goals. Um, and he offers her a rose. Yeah, and like with the the high goals thing, this is like when she says after we separated, I thought I'd live with high goals, and this to me kind of reinforces my idea of like the kind of trauma of the end of series events. Like she's like after like everything that happened, I just decided to cling to the princeness more than ever. Um, but and like she, I think it's interesting that she arrives like in this space without the rose crest ring on because mm-hmm. at the end of the show she had it on um and then when she sees his ring she's like oh what's this after he like hands her the rose and that's when she sees it and but she doesn't have one um mm-hmm. so she was kind of like in that like was it during within the swords all went at her she lost the ring and she was kind of like for a moment like free um i don't know but yeah that's that's interesting to think about because like in the show the Rose Crest exists to like let you into the dueling arena, um, and it functions this uh, basically the same way here. But I feel like they make less of it in this. And I think mm-hmm. a part of that is because it was Dios slash Akio who gave her the ring in the original series. Um, so in letting go of Akio, she has given up that that Rose Crest. Um, but maybe Rose Crests are just like a thing that exists in every world. It's just like. And this one in particular, since Akio's not here to give it to her, she has to get it in some other way. Um, and then in this case, it's pooped out by a rose into her <laughs> hand. But she doesn't put it on right away. Um, mm-hmm. She sees it kind of comes out of a white rose and rose petals start to fall from a platform in the sky. And she goes up an elevator, then up some stairs and crosses through a broken version of the rose gate. Mm. Um, and uh, we are now in the space that is both the dueling arena and the rose garden. So Anthe is no longer in the bird cage. She is in the, like the sky garden. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and, and so again, that should be another hint that like, this is perhaps like we have made progression from the, like to a sequel here because like Anthe is now a little more free. She overlooks the school yeah, she's um, physically higher above everyone else. Whereas I feel like a lot of the time people were looking down at her into the birdcage mm-hmm. or just like through the bars. Um, and yeah, now she's if she's the bird and she's she's elevated. She's flying. Mm-hmm. And Utena sees Anthe for the first time, who who we should note her hair is much longer, again, looser. Um, and we should also note her skin in, in this redesign. Her skin has been made lighter, um, which is an interesting choice um it's kind of a has not a hesitation i have with the movie it is one of my favorite movies but i've always been like huh uh, with and that it's redesign more, it's like um i would say there's like, like a little more yellow tint to it than there was in the mm-hmm. show in the show it's a lot more like uh, like a warmer I, I i don't know i guess yellow is still a warmer color but it's like a more green like we're starting to head into yellow rather than maybe like an orange or a red sort of tone and it is lighter for sure which is yes. like, an interesting choice but she also um doesn't have glasses which is yes. interesting yes yes and I, she, 
Mm-hmm. Again, that should be a hint that we're in a sequel because at the end of the show, she takes off her glasses and puts them on Akio's desk. Um, so that is another on the first the first time I watched, I did not make that connection. Um, but yeah, she's we could say the glasses were the way she viewed the world before. And she takes them off and she's seeing the world differently now, but she's still here in a version of Otori. So she's yeah. not again, they're not, we're not completely free, but um there are she, things that are different. Yes, and I, she also does seem to have. Um, well, I, we'll get into like how her design changes when we get to the like transformation sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, that is a weird choice to make her lighter. I don't know what's up with that, but whatever. yeah, and there are se- parts later in the movie. Um, I'm thinking of a part after we don't. We'll talk about it this episode after the jury Utina duel, where like on the, her skin, like with the lighting, sometimes she almost looks like super pale it's really weird um so i you know again don't know what to make of that i'm not the biggest fan of that redesign um in terms of like i i I, just the fact that they make her like especially the fact that like it feels like the skin tones in this movie in general feel a little like like they do have more color to them like the the whites aren't so white Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the fact that we went that way with Auntie's character is I've I've seen some folks like take like kind of question that decision. Um because there has been some like merch too, even very recently, where it's like oh my god, she's super white. So it's it's something worth like being like, hmm, why was that done? Yeah, unnecessary. Um, but yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> so we um like you said, we have this new dueling arena. It's like this big old like square with a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of roses. Um, I do think it's interesting that we don't get, like, the variety of rose colors that we do in the show. Yeah. Like, we get red and white, white. is essentially it. Um, I don't know what that's about. I think it maybe is because uh, in this world, it's like Uten is, like, so fixated on Toga as the prince that that's kind of just, like, every rose has to be red um, mm-hmm. in that way. Um but yeah, she she is here, and I I found really interesting this music. I don't know, did you did Opera GF give any notes on the music? Oh uh, no, I, I meant to ask, and then we were in the ER. <laughs> That's yeah, totally fair. Um, incapacitated. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just noted that there's like a it's like a woman's voice, like it's very choral, but it is like it's like the and there's like strings, and they kind of like morph together in a lot of ways i found it like yeah, really interesting i really like this piece if we do that music episode with her i'll make sure we uh bring up this one because i this is a piece um i think it's called uh the song is called rose brand uh bride in the sky garden oh um fierce, fierce. <laughs> um so, so i also on the the one of the first things Anthe says to utna is she's like She's like, this is my rose garden, but I'm in reality, I'm the one captive to the roses. It's so, again, Anthe in this movie is so straightforward, is much less like concerned with hiding things. She's straight up like, yeah, I'm the one captive to the roses. Like, she why talks, are you here? <laughs> she talks so much. She like, to me, Anthe feels like the main character of this movie in a lot of ways. Yes. And a lot of that has to do with like how much she's just talking throughout the movie. She gets a lot of dialogue. I'd be curious to know what the percentage is. I feel like she might ha- talk more than Utena does. Mm-hmm. Obviously, towards the end, like the fact that Utena is otherwise occupied being a car would also help bump up Anthe's um, comparative dialogue. But um, yeah, so we we get up here. 
Um, and she also um, says that uh, her brother is the headmaster, mm-hmm. which is an interesting change. Um, it feels just kind of like Auntie, like poo poo, like kind of like uh, <laughs> I guess this is my backstory to explain why this is all happening, even though he's gone. Um, yeah. And she asks Utana, "Why did you come here? Why are you at this academy?" Yeah, and and we then like Utana like just kind of like pulls out the ring. And, like, there's been wind that's been blowing, like, rose petals. It's a really romantic moment between them. And the auntie looks really scared and tries to take the ring from her. And, um, again, this feels like a moment for me where auntie's very, like, I think my read on these two is auntie remembers much more than Utina does. Um, Perhaps auntie remembers almost everything from the show. And... Um, and so when she sees, she's like, I thought we were done with that rose crest. Like, like, she's like, I, we are so close to like being free from this, um, that like, you know, she goes as far to try to like take the ring from her and Uchina won't let her take it. She's like, it's, it's my mark of the rose. Uchina's had this ring for like five seconds and she's already like, it's mine. (laughs) She's such a toddler sometimes. This is mine now. Um, yeah, I, I, shocked she even knows what it's called like she i think maybe she's expecting you to not remember anything yeah i mean i think that's um to me if i'm gonna draw from like another piece of media it's very madoka magica like and mm. to me i feel like auntie just does remember everything like this is just our auntie and she's here and her goal here is to like she knows utana this utana probably doesn't remember anything so she's just trying to get get utana back to the place she was by the end of the show but maybe even a little further and take her with her um, the Homer of it all. Yes, very, very that. Um, <laughs> they needed to cite their sources when they made that show. Um, but yeah, so um, oh, where was I going with that? But yeah, so Anthe is like here to m- help guide Utna finally across the threshold with her is my reading of what Anthe's up to here. But yeah, I, I think she reacts in fear to the the Rosecrest because it's like a symbol of Akio and a symbol of how the power Akio had over not just Usna, but all the people, all the duelists. Um, and so it makes sense why she's, like, upset that that's here. She's like, I thought I killed that dude. Yeah, and then speaking of that dude we wish wasn't here, um, no, Sayoshi ah! shows up, and he's, like, as shitty as ever. <laughs> like, worse. Like, worse. Like, he's so much worse. He's, like, such almost like a caricature of how he was in that first part of the show. He shows up, he explains the whole dueling thing, he sniffs and chews on Auntie's hair. <laughs> really gross. Um, Why? I have to believe, like, Auntie showed up and those, like, okay, places, people, this is what your role is <laughs> if we're going to, like, recreate the show, this is what you're doing. And Sionji, like, really committed. He's, like, the Jared Leto of the oh, school. No. Like, he's, like, full method, like, freaking everyone out. No one's comfortable to be around him when, you know, the cameras are off. Um, yeah, it's a weird... <laughs> Which I think it's, like, so funny to go from that and then we, like, you have to have seen the show to be, like, wait, why does he, why do we want him to, like, be in this little group here? Like, push <laughs> yeah. him off the, 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 um, the Wakaba car. The Wakaba mobile, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, like, yeah, it's, so that makes no dumb. sense unless you've seen the show. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he talks to her about the duels and, and Utina slow, very slowly puts on the ring as Anthe watches. And once the ring is on, the rose gate slams shut. So Utina like had all the tools to leave this space. Like she had all the knowledge of the system and the world to be free from Otori completely. 
um, because the rose gate was open when she got here. But then she puts the ring and it slams shut because she and she chooses to fall back into this system, into this mm-hmm. cycle. And Auntie's like, all right, guess we're dueling. Yeah, um, <laughs> she seems not happy about this. And the duels are very, like, there's no sort of Dios. There's no rose bright outfit. Like you said, there's no colored roses. There's no tricks of the light. There's no castle in the sky. We're, like, shooting down light. It is just, like, two teenagers, <laughs> like, in a little garden. Yes. It's in a cool sky garden, but it is just, like, the bravada of the duels are gone. Yes, all the, like, ritual of it and everything is just, like, not there anymore. And I think probably a lot of that has to do, once again, with Akio not being here. Um, there's a lot less desire to, like, summon something to, like, evoke the power to revolutionize the world. Like, none of that is here. I don't think they even use that phrase at all in the show in the movie i don't think um, so either and yeah so yeah things have changed clearly um utina uses a broom to fight which is like really cool there's an amazing awesome little like moment when she like kicks up the broom again how did she know that was there i don't know <laughs> it was badass i don't care um and yeah so she uh utina fights with the broom uh but eventually uh, Ati has like okay I have to intervene this is like going south for my girl um, well and what's interesting because as she like right before the duel starts like Sionji slaps Anthe when she tries to get Utena to stop she's like don't you don't have to do this and then Utena's like don't hit your girlfriend and so it's interesting because like some of our like not frustrations but like the things we pointed about out about Utena's reasons for dueling the first time because it was like just about like a wakaba and not about, like, the fact that Anthe was being abused. Um, and now it's, in this version of the story, that is why she duels. She duels for Anthe. Mm-hmm. Um, and not for Wakaba. Um, and not for, like, her pride. Um, and so the reason for dueling here is different. And it's a little, it's still her kind of, like, playing the prince. But in, it's about Anthe. Anthe is more centered in her motives from the start. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I do think that that's interesting. And Uta is, like, talking about, I forget what she's, like, saying, but it's about, like, dueling for a girl is, like, bad in some way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what that all, all that was about. Um, <laughs> but Auntie, like I said, she's like, okay, this is, like, not great. We have to do something. Yeah, she, my girl's got a broom. It's cut it in half. He, like, op- accidentally knocks open her shirt. He's like, are, are you a girl? And she's like, I never said I was a boy, <laughs> which mood. Um, I I went to the dip, which is a, like a Canadian, like bodega, like the other day. And the the lady thought I was a teenage boy and I was like, I'm not a boy. So I really relate to my girl Utina here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that for her. Yes. Uh, She's giving Christine. It's, it's, (laughs) it's, yeah. But then Adi like kisses Utina and, uh, like we get like a transformation sequence and Utina draws the sword from Anthe. Um, which I, I love that it's like straight up they just like make out. That's how it happens. Yeah, I was gonna say you was like you kind of really understated. <laughs> I really just like moved past that. I know, but like, yeah, the fact they, that like yes, they for kiss, the first like, time for a show where like that is never outright shown to in like the first like fifteen minutes have them kiss. It's like so nuts. I like this is like if I saw this in a movie theater, I'd be like hooting and hollering like Absolutely. it's like Avengers Endgame or whatever. Um, <laughs> Because it's, like, so nuts, like, and it's, like, 
if you read this as a retelling where this is the first time they're meeting, that makes, like, no sense. Yeah. <laughs> but if you read it as a sequel, it makes a lot more sense. Absolutely. I can only imagine the feeling of, like, being in the theater after watching the show and just, like, instantly these two are, yeah, they're kissing. Um, And also brings to mind, like, maybe this was always, like, what they wanted to do in the show, maybe. Like, this was mm-hmm. something, like, they were thinking about. Obviously, I feel like the sword pulling is already really romantic and, like, mm-hmm. a very intimate gesture. But then just to add on kissing, why not? <laughs> I, I know certainly that's what Ikahara would was like he was really pushing for this to happen in the movie there was I I, I should have like double checked this but I have read that like certain people involved with the movie were like oh like do we want to go that far to be like that explicit because we do like having like there's something to be sad about having these like different layers you can interpret their relationship and like you know, maybe it's better not to show it so, like, quickly or, like, knock Ikar. It's my understanding that Ikar was one who's really, like, they need to kiss. Mm, good for him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she kisses... She, Anthe kisses Utena. Again, Anthe's showing us she has so much... She's always had agency, but she's acting so openly and so, like, pointedly here. And she... They both transform back into their series. They're, like... T- uh, their TV series, like, dueling outfits. Mm-hmm. Utena with her long hair, Anthe in their rose bright outfit. Utena pulls the sword of Dios from Anthe and then charges at Sionji with the sword and defeats him um, and the bells of victory toll. And mm-hmm. I wanted to just note that Duo Song playing here is called Duelist Revive Infinite History of the Middle Ages. Oh. Um, is that a Met thing? <laughs> oh my god oh my god can you imagine like, like let's if we look through all like the dual song titles and like pick out the ones that would make for the best like met gala themes absolutely let's do it. oh fuck that'd be great um we and we have so much to talk about in the movie we won't go like line by line but this 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 recurring line in this um song is turn myself into whole self into the middle ages um and my one like just thing that was interesting to me because like uh, the Middle Ages came after the fall of the Western Roman Empire, and but like but before like the Renaissance. Um, so it's like this. It was like, an adolescence in a way. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of yeah. It's like middle again. Just the word middle give, implies something like kind of like before and after. Um, and adolescence is kind of like you were a child and you will be an adult, but now you're an adolescent. And yeah, like the Middle Ages. So like the, if we think about the fall of the Western Roman Empire, like the fall of this like like great institutional power. And then before this period, the Renaissance, we associate with kind of progress and like great art and like the I mean the Renaissance, just the word the Renaissance, mm-hmm. it rebirth in French, rebirth, Renaissance. Um, and so this is, if you think about where we're at in the movie, what this, where, what the movie occupies, we are out of that, like, empirical power, Mm -hmm. um, but before this period of rebirth, and this is kind of the space we, that these characters are navigating through to be reborn outside of the school. Mm -hmm. Which again, like, the architecture is, like, sort of speaking to that. It's like, Mm -hmm. things are, like, in flux. There's no real big power structure. It's just, like, things are just happening here. Um, And I I love that. But yeah, so Utsuna defeats Sionji, and she does, I I think it's interesting that we don't see, like, Dios doesn't descend or anything. It's, like, purely Utsuna gets her, like, and Auntie, like, share this power together, and that's what they do. 
uh, to defeat Sayonji. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but Utena has her long hair. She looks really fierce. I love I love her <laughs> new version. Like, and I love how like drastic of a change it is in this version, um, as opposed to the show where she just like gets epaulets <laughs> for a second. Um, yeah. So then we are in Utena's room now, um, and uh, things get very spicy very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so. Like Utena's, you know, like unpacking we see a little picture of her and toga in the closet like there's like i think it's interesting the pictures in the closet um mm. <laughs> you would usually have a picture out well like not gay stuff necessarily not i was just stuff. thinking it's like, but like in the show she's like running around like i'm waiting for my prince my prince my prince my prince she's like kind of like wearing it on her sleeve mm-hmm. um whereas in the movie she's still clinging to that but it's like neatly put away on a shelf in a closet so she's like not clinging to it as oh outwardly as in the show, but as we see, she still cherishes it in in this like little picture frame she's got. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. It's like she's almost ashamed of it in this version because I it's, I feel like she probably understands that she needs to let go of the idea of the prince. Like, she, but she just is not ready yet. Um, so it makes more sense here that she's just like a little more in the closet to use that phrase about it. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so Auntie shows up. Just um, barges right in. She's like, hello. And then Utsuna and her just like flop onto the bed. The light goes out. Yeah, I, I've never understand so like how the light goes off. <laughs> I I don't know. Choo Choo maybe was chewing on the wires or something. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love that that moment. It's like the like again, like the architecture and then like the physical reality around them, again, like inviting the rain. Like they decide that they're in like a spicy mood and then the lights go out and suddenly the bed is like the wrinkliest bed you've ever seen. Um, and I live for it, but, um, yeah. And but, the shot of them laying in the bed together is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and auntie, they're like talking in these hushed tones and auntie's, what does auntie say? Like, I'm going to leave or something or I'm about to go or, but Utsuna has this banger line. <laughs> amazing i'm not letting you go home like oh 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 okay okay mm-hmm. so now we see you you're a little more um confident too like auntie um but uh Utsuna starts talking kind of it's very like very much similar to like how Utsuna reacted when she first learned about all this in the show which is like oh well what do people get when they get the rose bride you um and um and auntie doesn't really answer her ever <laughs> Yeah, she's just like, you're funny, Utena-sama. And then Utena tells her to just call her Utena. And um, yeah, Anthe, of course, never really answers it. But she answers it kind of by kissing her hand and being like, well, I'm the Rose Bride. I obey the one I'm engaged to. And she moves her hands down at Utena's waist and like comments how like thin she is. And we hear a zipper. Oh, my and God. I screamed. I did not remember the like loud ass zipper. <laughs> like the, I, I wish I was that Foley artist, like loudly doing a zipper. <laughs> like Lesbian zipper noise. Um, and yeah, just I also want to do the callback to the show. Like we joked a lot about the IKEA handholding bed, but like mm-hmm. this is something we would have never seen in the show. Like they were like them like lying this close together in the same bed, and so just again, just show how far they've come. But and it's like this scene would be very confusing to me if you again don't read it as a sequel because like for them to be like 
getting this close and then Usna to like jump up and freak out. It's like they're so she they're so close to being there, but they're still like I think like a lot of like queer people can relate to like yeah it's like, like oh, you can't you can't go all the way and then there's also like the hangups of the the rose bride and the prince and like mm-hmm. the, the, those like you can it makes sense that we made all this progress but they're still being held back by these things and Utena makes sense that Utena gets freaked out um, because like if I do this with her as the rose bride like you know what does that make me. Mm, yeah and uh, it's i i do like that auntie is just like going along with it it's like she's not mm. really pressuring utsuna or to do anything she's just is like i don't know having fun and like being very enjoying, playful yeah she's like enjoying being around utsuna which I, I love that idea of like she's just happy to see her again especially after the last time she saw her she was and being impaled by swords so like this must just be so nice to just see utsuna alive and happy or I don't know if she's happy. She's just here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then, uh, like you said, Usa jumps up. She says, playtime is over, which I thought was <laughs> interesting because, you know, we made such um, a big note of, like, how the um, dueling in the show, uh, especially in the finale, was referred to as, like, a game. Um, so it's interesting that Usa is still um, sort of talking in that sense of, like, games and playtime and childhood sort of ideas. Um and again, Auntie just like blows past it. She's just like, you got cute clothes. Like she's just like not really recognized. She's like, like, look at this dress. <laughs> she's like, I love this Auntie. She's just like out of her mind. She's just like so happy. It's so nice to see. Um, and she's just having fun. And Uta, of course, is still confused and gay and not quite ready to go all in. Um, and speaking of confused and gay oh my god <laughs> we cut to the like so Auntie sees a frame with the frame with Uta and Toga in it and then we cut to Toga and Shiori oh! who's very confused and gay um and they're so they're talking and we're in a room like covered in sheets um and like a, a sheet is on Toga and it like flies off of him it's like he I've seen saw someone like rep, kind of like this reminds him like a morgue like yeah. all the dead bodies covered in white sheets could be you know and you can take that's another hint that Toga is dead um but yeah Toga and Chiori are our like horrific couple in Ugh, this, the vibes like, are just rancid in here and I think like what's sometimes a shock for people is when they watch this movie and how major of a character Chiori is Dude, she's um, like the main villain yeah, which is, like, good for her. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Toga is commenting about, like, how Utena wears prince clothes now. And, like, but he's, like, but she's probably still dreaming of the castle with the prince. So he's kind of, like, you know, she's, she's like, playing this prince and, like, not talking about it. But I, you know, that's probably still in her heart. And it is. He's, mm-hmm. he's exactly right that, like... She has not let go of that part of the prince. Um, it's she. It's she's not envision. She's not verbalizing it as such. Um, but it's the fact that she's clinging to her, the, like this childhood memory of her and Toga. That is her. That is her um, sunlit garden. That is her castle in the sky. This like mm-hmm. past childhood relationship she had with Toga in this world. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shuri starts talking about um, this story of um, her prince, Shiori's prince. Uh, drowning to save someone. I th- is it impl- is it who is she implying? Is it she's jury? implying it's jury, and That's what we I see thought. what looks like a young jury. Okay, and she says I'll make her play the prince the rest of her life, which is what she does to to jury. So wow, gay. Like, <laughs> what? Like how is that related, girl? Like 
my prince died saving her so now i'm gonna make her be my girlfriend like what do you what do you mean what do you mean you're weird (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we have this story from that that jury told in the finale about the the girl who who her sister and the the boy who drowned and it's reappears in the movie but it's about shiori's prince who and again looking at the second part of the movie it is toga um toga was her prince Toga was every girl's prince because, like, like Dios, he's, like, it's the, we're talking about the image of the prince. Like, Toga is not so much a character in this movie as he is a symbol. Um, and I love, like, talking about the death of the prince um, in terms of Shiori and Jury because um, that is exactly what, like, it is taking it away from this, like, drowning metaphor, this drowning story. Like, Jury killed the prince metaphorically by being in love with Shiori. Mm-hmm. Because if you are a girl and you express romantic feelings for another girl, you are erasing the prince from the narrative. And that is effectively killing the prince. You you kill the prince by acknowledging another way of living is possible, that it is possible to live without the prince. Mm-hmm. And so she Shiori resents Jury for... like Taking that from her. For taking that from her by showing her like by when she opens the locket and in the show and like sees her image and realizes that jury's in love with her, the like the horror of that part of the horror of that is the realization that like the the boy never mattered. The boy, you know, the, the, the brown haired boy never mattered later. Ruka doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and that Shiori's like in chaotic brain gay brain like can't handle that information (laughs) (laughs) yeah which i love that in the in the movie she just knows that information already she like just mentions it um and calls jury weird like oh okay girl like pot calling the kettle black like (laughs) yeah jury's the weird one um yeah so we have that scene um and like you said it's interesting that shiori is talking presumably to toga um about but all she knows, yeah, she knows Toga's dead. Mm-hmm. So she's just, like, kind of communicating with the spirit of the prince. Um, she's, like, so unwilling to let go of the prince that even beyond what Utena... I mean, that's kind of what's going on with Utena, too. She's unwilling to let go of the prince. But for Shiori, it's to the level of, like, literally, like, wanting to... Like, pretending as if she's in a relationship with this ghost, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then we go to this uh, pool cleaning scene. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Wakaba like is pretending to duel with a broom. Like Yeah, it's cute. Dueling with a broom. Very, very adorable. Um but then Toga, speaking of people who can see Toga, Ati, Toga like yes. calls to her. Um and we get this this scene here between the two of them, right? Yeah, so he's like um like he because he's talking to Utsuna and he she, she's like oh are you all you're a duelist too are you trying to win Anthe and he's like oh yeah because she's attractive and um like they're talking like Utsuna's like have you had sex with Anthe essentially is what he's asking he's like none of your business and then he calls <laughs> her over and like he com- he just comments that to Anthe that her prince is so indifferent referring to Utsuna um okay s- sorry if this after editing this, this is, sounds insane because I just had my neighbors knock on my door and ask for a can opener, and I don't remember what we were saying. Um, <laughs> but he said Toga's talking about how Auntie's prince is so indifferent. That's it. And I, I don't really yeah. know, like, what he's 
trying to do here if he's trying to do it like if he's an active actor here because again he's more a symbol than anything mm-hmm. yeah i think he's just like commenting on things i don't think he's like trying yeah i mean it's hard to look at toga and not expect him to be like manipulating people but i genuinely think he just is like kind of commenting or even maybe expressing something like on the like something on thinking about how Uten doesn't seem like that interested in Anthe. Maybe Anthe's like questioning her whole mission here if Utna's like just not into it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah that's that's sort of my read. Um yeah um yeah and they get like sprayed with water and like Toga yeah. wipes Anthe off. Don't really know what to think of that. There's a lot again like <laughs> lots of water going on here. Um but this next scene is really meaty so let's get into it. Yes. Um because it's gonna be one of the more important um the scenes we're going to talk about in this part of the movie um so akio as we mentioned with a different voice actor is on the phone with toga i love these two ghosts of the prince communing yes. with each other um he's on the phone with toga as shiori's like painting her nails so like we're kind of jumping into this conversation and mm-hmm. akio is like well why did my sister imprison the rose prince um and he's retelling the story we've kind of heard before in the show about the mob um and we're seeing it throughout with like with like painted like painting frames Mm -hmm. um this like flashback one's like it's framed with pink roses there's like lots of different objects i'm sure we could dig into them but there's so much going on here let's not (laughs) (laughs) um but i love that in the scene it's uh we're getting like you said the mob scene i love that um in the show like we had the fax machine obviously going off but i love the like doorbell ringing and the like phone going off the handle like it's i love that they're like so married to this like visual of like the past of this like sort of like lords and ladies but with like modern like to 1998 technology i just (laughs) love that it's so good i i love it it's so much i'm glad they brought it back in like a new iteration for the movie yeah and and so it's a similar story we've seen but like again instead of a shack we're now in a castle Mm -hmm. um and that we see the familiar scene the the open up you witch and akio says yes my sister really was a witch she had magical powers but there was another secret and we see like dios fall over and he says the road rose prince was really lord of the flies my sister the witch used her magic to change him into a prince so when my sister's magic faded the prince returned to his true self um and i really Mm -hmm. love this like explanation of like the kind of dios Akio thing mm-hmm. it is like the prince was only the prince as long as like it's like the again i think we kind of articulated this before like the myth of the prince only holds up if you be- also believe in like the myth of like women and girls being like objects to be one and mm-hmm. being like not like not being actors but being objects and so when Anthe like it was her magic was just like cre- helping uphold the illusion of the prince Mm-hmm. Um, and when she acted out of turn, the magic faded and he revealed himself to be the Lord of the Flies all along. Just this like empty husk of an image. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase too. This and like once again, drawing a parallel to Satan. Um, <laughs> I mean, he called himself Lu- Lucifer before. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, to just straight up say the Lord of the Flies is really, really cool. Um, and bugs I, will obviously play a big role in this this movie as well, visually. Um but yeah, so then they also start talking about, um, they say Akio set up this game. Um, so I, I 
I guess kind of recognizing that like in this world Akio did exist at one point um and uh presumably what's go like is gonna play out pretty similar like he had the Rosecrest ready to go uh, but Auntie stepped in and um yeah did her thing as we'll see later <laughs> um but yeah so then we get the scene um I talked to you about this before the pod of like I have no earthly idea what this we're supposed to get out of this scene um of Miki and Kozue in the bathtub Oh my god, I forgot this happened here. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because we, like, Derek, like, DM'd me and was like, I can't, looking forward to see you try to explain what the hell's going on with Mickey and Kozoi. And I was like, girl, I was hoping the same thing. I was like, <laughs> I pray Derek knows what's going on here. <laughs> I really, really don't know what to make of this because she's like mad at him for doing things she doesn't know about. And he says, we can't go back to the garden when we, where we were together, but you'll always be precious to me. And then she holds the razor to his throat and calls him a traitor. And I don't really get this because think, yeah. what, what is what's your read? Because like, now that you've me, said that, I feel like I'm feel I'm starting to okay, like go get for something. It. I'm feeling like this to me is almost like um, retelling the um, like Utna Akio of it all of like um, a person in this case Kozue realizing that they're prince. Miki is like not really a prince, and so kind of turning on him in that way. Um, I feel like a lot of the this movie is like we see these rose brides in quotes, um, like like Shiori, kind of turn on their princes, like like a jury or a Mickey. Um, it's like like Anthe has like infected the school with people like turning on the the their princes. Um, that's I guess my read of it. Um, nothing, but I think that's the only time we see her in the movie, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's the only time we see Kozue, but then we do see the Kozue car behind uh, um, Mickey in the, um, like, garage. Right. Okay, so, like, yeah. So this scene I, happens, and she immediately is like, I'm going car mode. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. Bye. So, yeah, I think that is maybe the read of it here is, like, she is kind of approaching the same um, revelation that presumably... Utena arrives at that apparently Wakaba arrives at in some way since she goes car mode. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know this. Yeah, something is sh- shifted in Otori, and I think like the princesses in quotes are kind of waking up to their reality and rejecting their roles in that way. So that's I guess my read on it now that we've talked it through. I, okay, that makes a little more sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. And if our listeners have any other reads, send them our way again either in a regular mailbag and we we are we do have it open if you want to send us a voice message at some point, go mm-hmm. for it. Um you can email at us at chatoplaygates at gmail.com. Plug that in the middle of the episode. Um but yeah, we then we cut to Utsuna watching Auntie leave at night and wondering where she's going. That just reminds us a lot of the middle part of the show before um, we before Utsuna was living in the tower with Akio. And that's maybe like what we're thinking is happening because we don't realize on a first watch, we don't realize Akio's dead. Yeah. Um, and then we come back to Togen Shiori, it seems after they've had sex, maybe. Um <laughs> Um, a little Izzy Stevens moment for um, Shiori. Um, I don't know if that means anything to you, Derek. Nope. <laughs> okay. On Grace Anatomy, Catherine. He- Spoiler alert. On Grace Anatomy, Catherine Heigl has sex with a ghost. There's like an extended oh. plot where she has sex with um, a ghost. Yeah, her like ex boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm never watching that goddamn show. 
It's so good. Oh, Derek, we should do a Grey's Anatomy podcast. <laughs> oh my god. You and my boyfriend both are just like, no, it's not happening. I've seen this, the scene of Sandra O oh getting impaled by an icicle. I don't need anything else <laughs> from the show. You need to uh, you need to watch Meredith with the per with the bomb in the chest while uh, two a.m. plays. It's so good. Oh my god, Derek! Okay, everyone get in Derek's DMs, being like, "Oh, no. Grey's Anatomy." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus. So, th- but okay. <laughs> she moment. calls Jerry gross. <laughs> Bummer moment. Toga yeah. starts to tell the story of his like backstory. Yeah. Um and we cause we never get we never really get Toga's much of Toga's backstory in the show. And we see this here and there's a lot of discussion. Can we consider this canon to the show? Mine is like, I don't know, but it's yeah. interesting. Uh nonetheless. I don't yeah, like I'm not really it, interested if in whether it is or not. Yeah, it doesn't contradict anything that was in the show, so I don't see why not. Why a version mm-hmm. of this maybe happened in uh, in that in mm-hmm. the show's reality. So essentially, we learn that uh, Toga's father made him grow out his long hair to be sold as a sex slave. To essentially, like that is sorry to be very blunt in the language, but that is exactly what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, he is being like trafficked. Um, to his current father and he's been adopted and he says I lost a lot of things but thanks to it I could partake in this academy's dueling thing Um, and so it's like and we see like him running from the father being pinned down in a cabbage field Um, and there's the heavy implication we can we can assume what happens here Uh, and but I think it's interesting he's like because of this horrible thing that happened to me, that is why I'm able to participate in the dueling game. Yeah, I don't know what that's like. Is he implying that everyone else is that way? Like that something traumatic must have happened to the other duelists in order to allow them to be part of this game. I don't really know what he means by that. Um, but I, yeah, it's it's very interesting, and I think I think it makes the show a lot more interesting if you do. Um, interpret this as like being part of his backstory there as well or some version of this um because i I don't know i i I feel like it's interesting in this context though because it's like um he becomes a princely figure um in spite of this like horror these horrible things that happened to him um and i don't know i i I do i I think that's interesting i don't know what this the movie's trying to say when shiori becomes the butterflies and the cabbages do you know what's going on here? Uh, so she does not become a butterfly. She becomes a moth. Oh. She's a, what I believe is a cabbage moth. It's more kind of like parasitic. It causes a lot of crop destruction. Oh. Um, yeah. Because Jury's it's like, a cabbage. Yeah. Well, because like we're in this cabbage field. Yeah. And like, so I, yeah, it's the scene. I mean, it's just a cool fucking scene. Uh, like the wings coming out of her and like the way that the, 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 the sheets kind of move around the room and they're coming out of her back. It's really cool. But yeah, cool. like to to me, I just kind of like it's just like Shiori as this like destructive force, and mm-hmm. like she's unable to <laughs> handle all the the thoughts in her head and the feelings that she feels, and it just comes out as destruction. Um, yeah, she wants to punish Jerry, is what he, mm-hmm. what she says. Yeah. Um, but then um. I love that we get, uh, we didn't talk about it before, but when those Shadowplay girls were, like, in their little, like, sketch they were doing, they were talking about the idea of, like, drawing on your lover's back. She does, uh, Shori does just that to Toka Mm -hmm. here with the little crocodile doodle. 
Yes, that we he will come back in in a later scene yes. in the video. <laughs> He's Choo Choo's friend. Yes, um, I love that. I forget was that a thing in the show? Did we see the crocodile? Choo Choo had a no. Choo Choo had a frog friend. But like the drawing of the crocodile looked so familiar. May I may maybe I, don't know. I would need to check. It does look familiar. Like, but I can't place if we mm-hmm. saw it before. Anyway, yeah. if someone knows, let us know. Um, but yeah, they, they start talking about. Um, you know, this this darkness leads to the end of the world. Um, which is like that's the, I think the first time someone said that in the movie, the idea of the end of the world. Yeah, and it's interesting because like, end of the world um, is now like. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, I just realized that I I kind of skipped ahead to the next yeah. scene and saying okay. That. Yeah, because we it's sorry I I yeah I didn't set up that this is Jury and Miki speaking, not Shiori and Toga. Okay, so do you just want to pick up? Just yeah, I mean, like, that's, well, we can leave this in. People can know that I have walls <laughs> just like them. Uh, All right. Uh, maybe I'll leave in the part where the people come get the can opener. It adds some, like, f- some flavor to the episode. Some silly noises, um. too, yeah. <laughs> I favorite um, stock noise being, you know, when someone throws, like, a, something in the garbage and you hear, like, the cat meowl. Please <laughs> add that sound effect if you can. Great. Yeah, so so after that scene with Jury, excuse me, with Shiori and Toga, we get... Uh, Mickey and Jerry in this weird like garage um, <laughs> um, and yeah I do think it's interesting it's like I think the only time maybe that anyone mentions end of the world but it's to the end of the world and end of the world is no longer a person mm-hmm. um, and it's no longer it's like this darkness leads to the end of the world like it's it's just such an interesting just like thing that's mentioned once and then we never really evoke it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and a weird car with a red light turns on like an eye, and yeah. it shines it on the ghost of Dios walking around. Um, so just the fact that like there's the ghost of the prince is just kind of like wandering this weird industrial garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to imagine this is maybe where like Akio parked his car. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, um, they're sort of maybe catching on to this idea of, um, I mean, they're also kind of like referencing that speech that the, that Toga would give before, um, getting into the, the Akio car ride was this idea of, can you hear it? The sound of the end of the world. So they're kind of circling around the same idea here. Um, they get on an elevator, um, or it's like an elevator behind Mickey. It's like yeah. moving up, and that's when we see the Kozaway li- like license plate. <laughs> <laughs> she, there she is. Um, <laughs> She's a car now too. She is a car. Yeah, don't think it's just you. Um, but yeah, so um, I think it's interesting. They start talking um, about like wanting power. Um, they almost sound like Black Rose duelists here. Is yeah. What my notes were. I was like, what is going on with these two? <laughs> Yeah, she's like, he's like, I, I'm a duelist because I was chosen. Um, again, the idea of chosen and unchosen. If he's chosen, he's chosen, but Kozaway's unchosen. Um, and in the fact that he's a duelist and she isn't. Um, and then, yeah, he's like, I want more power. And then he asks Jury, and she's like, I want power so I can be free of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which I sounds think is- so much like um, kind of what Kozaway is saying. Like, I want the whole world to disappear. Like, yeah. that sort of language. And also kind of what Nanami says in her last du- duel. Like, mm-hmm. I want to su- surpass everything. Surpass yeah. myself, who I was, Toga. Yeah. Um, so basically everyone here sounds like they're, like, kind of tired of this world, basically. Yeah, like, Jury is like, I want to... He, he asks her and she elaborates everything that restrains me. 
Um, and Mickey doesn't really know what that means. And then, like, this is the scene where people will use his reference to, like, Jury and Mickey having a thing, which I don't want to, like... I don't want to, like, be like, you're wrong, but to me, this is just, you're wrong, because it just reads so obviously, like, someone being like, hmm, we're getting a little too close to me, the truth of me being gay, let me just, like, perform heterosexuality really badly. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just, like, a joke, like, I I feel like um, gay people do this to each other all the time, like, the mm -hmm. jokey, like, flirty, but not at all, like, it's funny, because it's not gonna happen. yeah. Um, and and then of course again if, if that and if that's not clear to you then once Shiori shows up Jerry goes like immediately into simp mode. Oh my god! <laughs> she's like, yes, madam, like, <laughs> milady, <laughs> milady. Um, I think it's interesting Shiori shows up despite her not technically being allowed down here. They mentioned like you're not a student council member, you can't be here. So it's like, what? Where's the mm. space that only student council members can be before? Was this like high up? like open air tower it's now this like the space that only they can be in is this like Dark weird creepy garage yeah <laughs> like a serial killer zone <laughs> yeah and like jerry's shiori's like oh i've missed you so much she's like rubbing like jerry's Oof. hand she's like you know i know about other things implying the locket and you know jerry's like freaking out and Shuri's like Uta likes Toga that's why she stubbornly dresses like a boy so she could become a duelist and Jury's like oh she's playing prince to be because of some guy and this is similar to how Jury felt about Uta when in her first episode yeah she's like oh what a loser anyway I'm gonna <laughs> duel for for Shiori because she told yeah. me to. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, beat Utena. like, yes, queen, of course. Anything for you. And she maybe, is like, fully every, um, and whenever um, Shiori walks in, Jury turns into that, um, that scene from SpongeBob when, you know, like, why aren't you in uniform? She gets in her uniform <laughs> for, for Shiori instantly. Oh my god. I love, I do love Mickey just clocking exactly what's happening here. He's like, oh, that what cons- that which constrains Jerry. Like, he's like, <laughs> being a big old homo. Like, Literally. Like, she was like, grabbing under her arm. Um, yeah. Just very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then, uh, obviously, Jerry decides, you know, I will fight for my girl, for my, my, my lady, um, and duel tonight I, I think it's interesting like the movie like kind of tries to like maintain the dueling facade but even then it's like no one seems to like really want to be doing it mm-hmm. um it's like just kind of a small again i feel like it'd be so weird to watch the movie without having any familiarity with the show yeah because um, it's like yeah you would be like wait so do they duel or not like why are they making such a big deal of something that <laughs> is on screen for maybe like five seconds of this movie <laughs> So, yeah, we were planning to go a little longer, a little further into the movie, but since we've had so many, like, we've had to pause recording so many times because mm-hmm. of my internet issues and then my neighbors needing a can opener. Um, so we're going to cut it here. This is a decent place to stop because we've got a couple of really beautiful Uta and Anthe scenes coming up we're going to want to yes. dig into and I don't want to rush through them. So we're going to stop here. Um, we will be back hopefully next week um, if we can schedule the time to do part two of the movie. Um oh. And so, yeah, like, I mean, Derek, where can people find you? Do you want to do our little plug? Sure, like, we'll I, plug I wish we away. could do the whole movie in one episode, but we can't. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, you can follow me at Rain Derek's on Twitter. You can follow my other podcast, Bitter Jurors, with my good friend Sam Stanish, where we are in deep in the throes of Survivor 42. 
um, actually kind of getting close to the end of that season, mm-hmm. which is making me sad because the season has been so fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, so we'll be wrapping that up uh, in a few weeks, and then from there we'll dive probably right head first into book three of Korra. So if that's what you want to listen to, wait around a few weeks for Survivor to be over. Um, but yeah, you can follow us at BitterJurisPod on Twitter and Instagram. What about you, Christine? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at xfeme underscore files, and then you can read my writing about Server 42 with our friend Gia. She was on uh, Bitter Jurors uh, yes. last week. Great episode. I, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I listened to the first part, and it's great. Um, so Gia and I write um, every week a little recap of the previous episode. So you can read my writing there, and yeah, that's about it. So we will jump back in to Adolescence of Utena, the second half of the movie, starting with the beautiful, beautiful dance scene in the Sky Garden um, in our next episode. And just a reminder, you can still send a mailbag, send us an email with an audio file if you'd like to send us an audio mailbag message. Um, I think that's, but yeah, I think that's all of our little, little things to say. That's it. Yeah. We will see y'all next week when you yeah. are, will be a car too. Yes, we will all be cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye. Bye.